that you would anoint me to speak your word. I ask that you help me to say the things I need to say and keep the things in my head that need to stay in my head. I ask God that you would anoint our hearts, Lord, to hear what your word is, that it would find a good place in us. I pray that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better today, God. That's the goal. I pray it would be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you want to open your Bibles, I'm gonna, I was going to finish um, on healing from last week, <clears throat> but I felt like the Lord told me to do something else. I had already prepared this for the transformation class, and so I'm going to go ahead and do that for, for our actual service today because um, it, it, some things the Lord is speaking to me, it's directly associated with this. It's going to be a little bit different angle today, um, but I, I feel very... Um, I feel very pulled into this topic today. And so I want to talk about breakthrough and transformation. So in Romans 12 is the first place that we'll go. <clears throat> Romans 12. <clears throat> probably one of the most quoted scriptures in, in the church here, <laughs> for me anyway. Um, it's, we probably all know it by memory. Um, but I like, I like hearing the pages turn. I know I don't have my Bible here, but it's nice to hear the pages turn. All right. Romans 12, and we'll start with verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. So what's, what's real worship? Is it singing songs? Yes, singing songs and, and worshiping like that in church service. It is worship. But the real worship that God longs for is this right here, that we would present our bodies to Him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. So what does that mean? Let's break it down like this. My, my work is worship unto the Lord. When I volunteer for PTA, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. What's the Bible say? Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it as unto the Lord. Why? Because God's the rewarder. And when we do things as unto the Lord, it connects us to the rewarder who, who rewards those who diligently seek him and who honor him with their lives. What, why is this so important? Because for transformation to take place, I can't just give God a little part of me and say, God, transform my whole life, but only give him access to my spirit. I have to give him access to my spirit, my soul, and my body. I, I can't just give him access to my Sunday mornings. I have to give him access to my every morning, to my every evening, my every afternoon. I can't just give him access to the things that are holy well, this praying and reading the Bible and going to church and ministering to the poor, obviously those are worship unto the Lord. But what happens if I think those are the only things that are worship to the Lord is then I separate my life from my worship. And so now I, I live when I think this way. Then when I go to work, work is my workplace and I, I'm work Jared at work. No, there's no work Jared and worship Jared and give to the poor Jared. I'm Jared. And everything I do is unto the Lord is worship. Everything. The way, the way I clean my house is worship unto the Lord. The way I do dishes is worship unto the Lord. It's true. Why? Because 
I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Everything I do, you drive your truck, that's worship unto the Lord. It's for the Lord's glory. You drive nails and put travertine floor, that's unto the Lord. It's craftsmanship that's unto the Lord. Tilly's away in Ghana. We're going to miss her for a month. But when she's working for the government, crunching numbers as an accountant, she's doing it as unto the Lord. That paycheck that you receive is God's blessing for you living a life of worship unto the Lord. Does this make sense? So when I say transformation, and when I talk about transformation and breakthrough, if we don't get past the mindset of their sacred things and secular things, then we will never see full transformation take place. Everything is unto the Lord. There's nothing secular. There's nothing sacred in my life. If I'm a believer, it's all unto the Lord. Amen. Remember this thing that the Lord gave me a a year or two ago that that he either transforms all of us or ultimately none of us. Because if I don't give him all of me and I keep some back, the thing that I keep back from him will be the thing that causes me to walk away from him. It's just true. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. The things that we say, God, you don't have access to this thing. This is mine. I can handle this on my own. That very thing will be the thing that causes me to turn my heart from the Lord. It doesn't always happen overnight either. It's a slow thing sometimes. So that's why when we say transformation, it means all of us or none of us. Like Bethel's new song, is, is, their new album is called Have It All. And that's it. You can have it all. Every part of my world. I'm not holding anything back from you. I'm not withholding from you. See, he's a God who withheld nothing from us. Who are we to think we could withhold anything from him? So when we talk about transformation, it starts there. It starts with breaking down that divide between sacred and secular. You see, as I was growing up in church, um, there was this mindset that if you didn't work in a church, then you weren't a minister. Like growing up, how many been around a long time in church? And there was that kind of a mindset like you need to be a a worship pastor or a Sunday school teacher or you need to be on staff at a church to really be in the minute you're in the ministry. Now, I work my job. No, there's no there's no difference. You came into the kingdom. Right. And in this kingdom, we're all a kingdom of kings and priests which means everything we do is unto the Lord and we're all ministers to God and we're ministers to ourselves and we're ministers to others, every one of us. And everything that we do and every word that we say, it's unto the Lord. That's why the Bible teaches us to be very careful the things that we say. Take inventory of our words. Take inventory of our deeds because they are our worship unto the Lord. All right, verse 2. So transformation for to really take place, break down the divide between the, 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 we can't categorize our life. It's all or nothing with the Lord and do not be conformed. So after you do this, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. How, how are we transformed by the renewing of our mind? Say that with me by the renewing of my mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, what that means is when we set our lives apart unto the Lord as spiritual acts of worship, 
And we are no longer conforming to the patterns of this world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. The life that we live proves the will of God. The lifestyle that we live proves what God's will is. His good is acceptable, his perfect will. And it's all by how we respond to him. And see, Paul told them that we're all God, his epistles. We're all the, the letters that are written for the unbelievers to see who God is. That's what this is talking about. <clears throat> so do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the key to transformation is breaking down the divide that says, I can keep some things hidden from God. How many has ever played hide and seek with God before? <laughs> it's, it's not possible. It's impossible to play hide and seek with God. He will always win. He is the hide and seek champion forever. We can't hide anything from him. I mean, David said, if I make my bed in the pit of hell, you're there, God. And if I go to the heights of the heaven, you're there. And if I try to hide over here, you're there. Because everywhere I go, you're there, God. See, God knows all things. So for us to... why? So if God knows everything, why does it matter if I think I can hide things from him? He already knows. Isn't it okay if I'm cute and just think I can hide stuff from him? No, because the thinking that I have that says I can hide this from God, it will determine how I position myself toward God. It will it will it will bring conditions to the relationship and stipulations that will tie his hands in my life. What we think really matters. What we think and what we think and what we think and think and think, it really matters, period. It matters. So we have to have our minds renewed. When we think about things the way God does, then we make decisions and we go about problem solving in faith. And in, the, in, the, in our mind is the power of God. So when we renew our minds, we think about things differently. When, we, when we're faced with a problem, when we're faced with a trial, when we're faced with a circumstance that seems really big and scary and difficult, if we think with the renewed mind, we see that thing completely differently than we did before. Amen? You guys still with me? So I want to ask this question, and this is going to be a little bit different today. I'm going to take the time in the middle of this. For those listening to the podcast, if there are pauses, everything's good. Um, we're just going to do some question and answer here. <clears throat> I want you to think about this, and I, you can type it in your phone, write it on a piece of paper right there. I want you to think about this right now. What is the biggest mountain, the biggest pain, or the biggest problem that you're facing right now? Right this second. What is the biggest problem, pain, or mountain that you're facing right now? Everyone pretty pretty much got one. You got more than one, that's fine. You got the Himalayas. All right, we're, we're going to be there with you. Jesus will help you through the Himalaya, Himalayas of problems, right? So what that thing right there. Now, next question I want to ask you. How often do you think about or consider this thing? How often does this thing come to your mind? Some say all the time. Some say, what, once a day, a couple times a day. How often do you think about this thing? How often do you concern yourself with it? And then there's people that do this. Do you ever distract yourself so that you don't have to think about it? 
because that's the same as thinking about it. What I'm doing is I am maneuvering my life around a problem. I'm either thinking about it or I'm trying not to think about it. But that thing has a hold on me. We'll keep going with a couple more questions. When you think about or consider this thing, how do you feel about it? How does it make you feel? What emotions does it stir up? What thoughts begin to stir up emotions inside of you? I told you we're going to go at this a unique way today. Transformation and breakthrough. I felt like that we needed to attack our complaining today. Our murmuring, our griping. And this is ministry for me too. Where do you think this message came from? I don't prepare sermons to prepare sermons. They're things that the Lord's ministering to me from. And I feel like if it ministers to me, it will minister to you. So... <laughs> the Lord wants to deal with our complaining today because it is halting or slowing down our transformation. It's slowing down our breakthrough because we're complaining. Hmm. Do you often complain about this thing? Do you feel hopeless or powerless? See, we complain when we feel hopeless or powerless. Working through things with one of my children right now where he, he's not reacting like he normally does, and it's because he feels hopeless and powerless. And so he's like, well, why do I even want – I just give up. I quit. I immediately feel powerless. I can't fix this. I can't change this, so I just quit. No, you're powerful. You can change. You can fix this. You can do something about it. We're never powerless. That's a lie. Amen? Complaining about this thing, griping about this thing, is actually worshiping the problem. And it's actually worshiping its ability to bring pain and destruction. So this thing that's in my life, whether I try to avoid it or whether I think about it and then I complain about it and I gripe about it and I murmur to my wife about it and I'm frustrated about it, I only do those things when that thing has taken the place of God in my life where I see it as bigger than the God that I serve. And when I look at a problem, when I look at a trial, when I look at a mountain in front of me, and I'm more overwhelmed with how big it is and how big God is, then I feel powerless, and I will begin to gripe, and I will begin to complain to God. Ouch. <clears throat> did, you know, <laughs> did you know that our complaining causes God to burn with anger? We don't talk about that very often. I don't know if I've ever said those words as a preaching. That my complaining literally causes God to burn with anger. Let's go to Numbers, all right? Numbers chapter 11. Numbers 11. Really different way to, to talk about transformation and breakthrough, but I know I know that it's where I know it's where I'm at. I don't want to complain anymore. <clears throat> My Bible, the title of this, Numbers eleven, the people complain. <laughs> You're saying the people complain. <laughs> Let's see what happens here. Verse one. 
Now the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. Wow. What that literally means is that in their worship, the way I understand it, is that there were, there were times where they could make their petitions before God in their worship under the old covenant. That the priests could bring their petitions unto the Lord. And they, they could even bring their complaints. Hey, God, we need this. God, we're struggling here. God, we're struggling there. But it was an acceptable thing because it was part of ministry with God and to him. That you could come to him and bring your petitions to him. But what happened here was the people began to do that outside of their covenant with God and outside of their worship to God. And it was not in the acceptable time of bringing their petitions to the Lord. What does that look like in the New Testament? So the Old Testament model is the priest would bring the petitions and and supplications before God in his time with worship. And God would speak to him and give him an answer. He would take that answer and give it to the people. That's how their complaints or their their trials or problems we brought unto the Lord. Fast forward to the New Covenant. What does the Bible tell us? Are you troubled? Are you sick? Are you having a hard time? Then pray. Pray before God. Bring your supplications before him. So when is the appropriate time for us to bring our complaints before the Lord? In prayer. There is an appropriate time for us to come before God and say, God, I'm really upset about this right now. And it's appropriate. And it's, it's, it's good. It's right. But then there's an inappropriate time. It's when it's outside of my covenant and my prayer with God. And it's called complaining and it's outside of the will of God. Amen? You guys still with me? There's an Old Testament and a New Testament way. And the, 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 the model stays the same. There's an appropriate time to bring complaints unto the Lord. And then outside of that, it's completely inappropriate. And what the people began to do here was they began to complain in their tents outside of their worship to God. And they began to complain of their adversities like those who complained before God in the hearing of the Lord in the appropriate time. And when the Lord heard it, he was angry. The Bible says it right there. His anger was kindled. And not only was he angry, he was so angry that the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. So because they were complaining in their tents and outside of the appropriate time to bring their, their supplications and their petitions before the Lord, the Lord was angry that they were doing this, so angry that his anger caused fires to happen outside of the camp on the perimeter of their territory. Now, complaining angers God outside of its proper place. You guys still good? Yeah? Yes? Go on. You all want me to finish because there's hope? Yes, we'll finish. <laughs> The people, therefore, cried out to Moses. So what happened? Moses prayed to the Lord in the appropriate manner in which he was to appear before God. Moses came to the Lord and prayed, and the fire dried out. So they named the place where the fires were Tibera, and that literally means to burn, I believe. Yes, it means burning. Because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Then listen to this, verse 4. The rabble. What is your, someone else got another translation? What does it say there for you? NIV anybody or King James or New King James? Does it say the rabble for you as well? I was like, what does that mean? The riffraff. The, 
the, the people who stirred up problems. The troublemakers is what this word literally means in the Hebrew. The rabble, the troublemakers who were among them, they had greedy desires. And also the sons of Israel wept again and said, so they didn't let it die out. They kept stirring this thing up. Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we used to eat when we were in Egypt. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our appetite is gone. We don't even want to eat anything. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna. Wow. Think about what they were complaining about. They were in the desert and God provided food for them every day. Enough food for all their people, and it was there for them. All they had to do was gather it up. And they got so tired of the manna that they were outside of their proper place, and they were complaining about God, and they were complaining about the manna, and they were frustrated, and they were arguing, and they began to complain outside of the proper place to bring their petitions to God. And God became so angry that he burned fire around the camp. And then the rabble, the troublemakers, didn't care. They didn't submit. They didn't bend their will towards God. They continued to stir the strife and say, I wish we had some meat to eat. I miss the fish of bondage is literally, literally what they were saying. I would rather go back and be a slave to Egypt and have fish and onions and melons and cucumbers than to eat manna for another day. You mean to tell me you would rather labor to someone who is your master to get whatever food they decide to give you than to be in covenant with a God who brings food to your table and all you have to do is gather it up. That's what they were complaining about. Now the manda was like coriander seed and its, its appearance like that of bedillium. And the people would go around and gather it and they would make cakes. And I'm just going to summarize that last. They would make cakes and they would bake it with oil. It was really good for them. They enjoyed it, right? But these people complained about it. Why, why did I talk about this today when I'm talking about transformation? Because when we complain outside of the proper place, we cut off breakthrough from our lives. We cut off the miraculous from our life. We cut off the transforming power of God from our life because we are inappropriately speaking against the God that we're in covenant with. And he hates it when we complain. He hates it when we gripe. He hates it when we murmur. Ouch for me. So this is what the Lord talked to me about. I lift the veil just kind of where Mandy and I were talking. We all, how many have said yes to the Lord? Just yes. Whatever it is, God, we said yes to it. So what that means that he sets the agenda for our life. He opens the door for us to work where we work. He opens the door for us to be in the family that we're in. He opens the door for us to be in the, the church, the community, the school, whatever all we everything about our life. The Lord ordained those steps for us because we said yes to him and the steps of righteous people are ordered by the Lord. So if he did that for us and if our job is his manna for us and if our community is his manna for us and our marriage and our family and our church and our school and and all these things that our life encompasses is God's manna for us then who are we outside of the proper place of bringing petitions to him who are we to complain about our life 
about what we're to eat, about what we're to drink, about where we're to go to school, about where we're to work. Who are we to complain? We said yes to him. And what that means is I said yes to God, and that means I've given him the authority to set the agenda for my life. I said yes. He didn't make me say yes, right? He didn't make you say yes. How many, did, how many of the Lord came down and twisted your arm till you said yes? Some of us wish he would do that sometimes, and he won't even when we want him to because he's too nice. He's a gentleman. But we said yes to him, and that means it's his agenda. It's not our agenda. So because I said yes to him, I have no right to complain against the agenda he's given me for my life. When I try to change the agenda because reality isn't what I thought I signed up for. Hello? God, this isn't what I said yes to. I didn't say yes to an outcome. I didn't say yes to a perfect job. I didn't say yes to a perfect community, church, school, workplace. I said yes to the Lord. Amen? You guys still with me? I said yes to the Lord. I don't get to change the agenda and say, well, I, I, I didn't say yes to this, so you need to give me something else. There's a proper place to go before the Lord and say, you know, God, I said yes to you. And, you know, and there's a place of humility to come before God. We never come before God in arrogance and demand anything from him. It doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work. We come before him in humility and say, God, this is, this is my petition. And I'm going through the proper channels, and in my prayer closet, I'm bringing my petition to you. And in that place, he can either address us there, give us an answer, or he doesn't answer us. That means to be quiet and wait. But it doesn't mean we go away from there and complain about our job, complain about whatever, fill in the blank. I don't get to set the agenda. When I complain and rail against the agenda of my life, the things of my life, what I'm literally doing is saying, God, I reject what you say is for me. I reject the things that you brought into my life. And what I'm really doing is I'm allowing circumstances to set the agenda for my life instead of God. See, as things go well, I'm okay, and I'm not going to complain. But when things get tough or things get difficult, oh God, how, did, how could you do this to me? How could you put me in this place where I feel like I'm in a wilderness, blah, blah, and we complain and we complain. And why? We're still in the same place. It just doesn't look the same way, so we complain. So our yes is not based upon whether we're in paradise or the wilderness. Our yes is based on we said yes to God, period. We don't have a right to confront and argue and complain against his agenda. Am I, am I hitting this home? What I, what I, when we talk about troubles and the things in life that are frustrating, there's a place to bring it before God. But when I let those things get bigger in my eyes than God, and I forget that God has given me power and authority, and he's given me the ability to make decisions for our, my life with him, when I forget that, then I let that problem, I let that pain, I let that circumstance set the agenda. And now I come to God with a list. Hey, God, you need to do this. Have you ever prayed like that before? Ouch. Hey, God, I need this, and I need this, and I need this. Is there a proper place to bring those things before God? Absolutely. But when it comes in the tent, outside of his presence, outside of a covenant with him, and I'm complaining, and then I run into him, and I stomp into his presence to say, hey, God, here's my list of demands. Like we're trying to hold him hostage to change our circumstances. Look, our circumstances will change when he says for them to change. Our job is to endure every circumstance. Our job is to endure everything that we go through. You guys still with me? Yeah? 
I cannot live in response to anything other than him and his voice. I just can't. He initiates and I respond. Philippians 4, 13, 10 through 13 tells the story, but he's like, Paul is saying, I know what it means to have plenty. I know what it means to be poor and broke. I, I know both ends of the spectrum. And this is what Paul learned from that. He didn't learn that being wealthy was better than being poor. Hello? He didn't learn that being poor was better than being wealthy. The lesson that Paul learned from being poor and being wealthy was this. I can do either one. I can do either one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do wealthy because he's with me. I can do wealthy because he's on my side and I'm with him and in covenant with him because I said yes to him. But you know what? If that all goes away and I find myself as the poorest man on earth, I can do that too because he's with me. That's the secret to transformation, I believe, is contentment knowing that I said yes to him and that is not contingent upon wealth or poverty. All the blessings of God pouring into my life are seeming like I'm in a desert where nothing good's happening. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do either one. Amen? So let's close it out. How does our thinking need to change or adjust in light of our mountains and our pain? First of all, we have to identify lies and we have to break agreement with them. If I feel powerless, that's a lie. What's the truth? He has given me power. To trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Amen? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. There's power that comes with agreement with God. So if I feel powerless, if I feel like a victim and there's no hope for me, then I am believing a lie and I need to break agreement with that lie and I need to replace it with the truth. Amen? So I need to break the lie and identify the truth and partner with it. And this is what I kind of see happening. I believe breakthrough follows this flow, all right? Breakthrough will follow this flow. We start because we start at this point where we need breakthrough. Number one, because we're focusing on the problem and the destruction that it causes. That's the starting point. How do I know I need breakthrough? Because I'm focusing on a problem and how big it is and how ugly it can make my life. That's the starting point. Breakthrough flows from there to my attention then goes to God's faithfulness and God's power and his authority. How do, how do we know we're on the road to breakthrough? Our mind and our attention moves above the problems and strife of life to the goodness and the faithfulness of God. When you feel that, let me encourage you right now, if you're on the podcast, right now, when you feel that lifting of your head, fixing your gaze upon the perfect one, the beautiful one, when that happens, you are on the edge of breakthrough more than ever before, right now, because you have turned your attention to the thing that actually has authority in your life. Not the problem, not the pain, but Christ himself has a power. So we move from the base of focusing on the problem to now I'm focusing on who God is, And then from that comes the solution because he holds a solution. And I know that when we follow this path, when we feel when I feel like I'm complaining and I'm wallowing, those complaints are misplaced prayers from a place of victim mentality. And I know that I have to go before the Lord and get my attitude straight. I don't know how it works for everyone else here, but I can I know when I'm complaining 
there's a heart problem. There's an attitude problem that's really deep-seated. It's probably bigger than I realize. And I have to go before the Lord and say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for thinking this. And when I do that, when I focus my attention back on God, breakthrough and the, res- the resolution or the solution to the problem is always found in his hand. But if I'm looking at the problem and not seeking him, I will always miss the solution. Amen? Breakthrough, transformation. And I told you it's a little bit different angle today, but complaining will undermine breakthrough in our lives. Amen. Once you stand. Third John one verse two says, beloved, I pray that in all respects, my translation would be this in every area of your life that you would prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. So if you've said yes to the Lord and you are facing a mountain, facing a pain, facing a difficulty, lift your eyes. Look to to God. Look to the Father. Look to the one who has the authority, who holds the world in his hand. Stop looking at how big the problem is. Stop complaining about it. There is a proper place to bring those petitions to the Lord. And he blesses that. Then there's another place where we do it where he gets angry at it. And it's very wise for us to learn the difference between the two. <sighs> Ouch. Maybe this is all for me. But I hope that it helps bring, bring breakthrough to your life. And so, God, we ask right now that, that yes, that there would be fruit from, from the word today, that there would be fruit in our lives, that we would break agreement with lies, that we would be those who... <laughs> Put both hands over our mouth if we need to, God. Help us to do that. Help us not to speak improperly. God, I know that when you, when we actually humble ourselves before you, it, it totally changes how we approach you and how we speak to you. And God, I, I've prayed this a lot recently, but I know that we're in great need of humility in the church. Church worldwide, we're in great need of humility. So I ask that you'd help us to humble ourselves so that we can speak to you properly father i ask that you would forgive us if, if you've had trouble recently complaining um griping whatever whatever you want to call it um would you just repent would you tell him you're sorry right now i want to think differently right now i want forgiveness for this thing i'm going to pray as well so god i ask you forgive me for for griping and complaining and not only did i gripe and complain in myself i griped and complained to other people I'm sorry for that, and I ask you to forgive me. I ask that you would cause the words that I spoke to have no effect anymore. I pray that they would fall to the ground, and they wouldn't produce any any life. They wouldn't produce any fruit. I ask you to forgive me for speaking things that I shouldn't speak and being frustrated. God, I ask that you would help me to keep my eyes focused on you. (laughs) Help me, Lord, to... To, to, to stir up the practice of bringing my supplications and my petitions before you every day. You created a way. You want us to bring these things to you. You want us to bring our cares and our concerns to you. You created a proper place to do that. And I ask that you would help me, God, to rediscover that place of properly bringing my supplications and petitions to you. And God, I pray that as I learn to do that with better execution, that the complaining in my life would stop. 
that it, that when I start to complain, when I start to gripe, I would remember the prayer closet. And I would remember my covenant I'm making with you now to guard my words. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So God, I ask that you would forgive me for complaining. Hmm. This is my prayer, so you guys can join in if you want to. But God, forgive me for the arrogance that I've had where I think I know a better way than you. And I, and I don't always come at it like that, but my complaining and my griping, it's partially rooted in arrogance. I would think I, would, I could advise you. <laughs> I'm sorry for being arrogant. I'm sorry for <laughs> telling you what to do, giving you suggestions, expecting you to do what I think you should do. God, I, I, you're in the place of authority. You are God. And, and yeah, I am your servant. I'm your son. <laughs> you're a good father. All those things are true, but I'm still your servant because I choose to be. I choose to serve you. So I ask that you would forgive me for that. God, I ask that as we break agreement with these practices and with these lies and with these tactics, I ask that we will begin to see breakthrough in every area of our life, God. I ask that transformation will be something that becomes natural to us, that creates a momentum in our life of transformation. As we give you access to every part of us, as we give you access to every part of our life, every thought, God, I ask that transformation will begin to fill us and overflow out of us. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do one more thing for me. Will you just renew your yes to God before we go? Will you just talk to him and and say, yeah, God, I did say yes, and I'm not turning back on that. I'll pray from here too, but I'd like for you to pray where you're at. My yes is still yes, God. I ask that you would again forgive me for um, for it seeming like I changed my mind. I haven't changed my mind. My yes is yes. I belong to you. I'm not going back on that. <laughs> and God, I, I give you the rest of my life to teach me transformation, to teach me wholeness. I really want to understand it in my life and be able to give it away, God. I really want to go after that transformation and wholeness Hmm. as you stir up the fear of the Lord humility and the fear of the Lord (laughs) thank you Lord the Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens this is the will of God to do this so before we go, I know we ask you to do this a lot. We'll, we'll take communion at the very end. But we, we do this a lot. But I, I want you to pray for someone close to you. And I want you to bear their burden with them. You, you can tell them this is the proper place right now to bring the petition. And to take that petition with, with your brother, your sister, your spouse right there. Just ask them, what is the mountain that I can pray for you about? And then pray right now, okay? And when that's done, we'll do communion.